the past three weeks, we've been blessed with great word and quality word. And we, we have been taken through hope, we've been taken through fear, we've been taken through um, uh, frustration. And But in all these three, we discover that there is a trail of God's presence to deliver us from all these things. Amen. And, and today we, we are looking at the subject of joy, which I believe it's, it, it's, it's, it's the portion that sustains us as believers through all the other three or the other two, through fear, through frustration, through offense, and other things that may try to creep in in our journey. And as we start, I, I got stuck to the quote by C.S. Lewis, which says, joy is the serious business of heaven. <laughs> and, and that made me laugh that actually when we talk about joy, we are talking about something that concerns the heart of God. We are talking about something that the whole of heaven is working day and night to ensure that we have it and we see it and it manifests in our lives and in our presence. And... Uh, because I, I, I am not so much of a, of a philosopher nor an academic, so I had to, to really try and battle with the definition that is accurate to, to the quote by C.S. Lewis. So I looked at a number of definitions, but uh, this one struck with me uh, by uh, Rick Warren. It says, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. It is the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And it's and the determined choice to praise God in every situation. My prayer is that by the time we, we finish uh, this preach, each one of us will be saying the same thing, to say, indeed, I have that settled assurance in me. Uh, I have that confidence uh, I, I also choose to praise God in every situation because I know that whatever I encounter, whatever that I will deal with, God is everything and will bring me through because he has greater plans for my life and he has greater plans for me. So in, in looking at such a subject, you then go through the Bible and you, you try to find an appropriate uh, text. You discover that uh, the, whole of, the, the, the whole Bible has, has more than 300 times where it speaks about joy. And you have to really ask God and pray, which is the text that you want to speak to us in this context uh, of where we are as a church, of where we are as a nation, of where we are as individuals. And I believe um, Romans chapter 5 uh, will help us just to briefly unpack what, what this business of heaven has to do with us today. And how can we can grab it and allow it to work in our lives? And, and, and as I was praying and, and, and prepping over this, I discovered that actually joy is not something that I've always thought I know. <laughs> I thought I know joy to be that thing that makes me excited and happy. But what I've discovered is that joy is less loud. <laughs> if you have met Auntie Joy, you'll understand what is joy. <laughs> She is not loud, but she's full of life. And what I've discovered is that joy, uh, we sometimes mistaken joy for happiness, because happiness is loud, happiness is hype, but joy 
is very silent but firm. It, 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 it doesn't give you all the, the, the big signals. Uh, it doesn't dance around, but it, it brings that assurance and peace and stability as we journey through life and through trials and through tribulations and through other things that may oppose us, but joy keeps us stable because it is the confidence of what we have. Shall we all read uh, from the book of Romans chapter 5, from the first verse to the fifth verse? Uh, if you have a different uh, version or a different language, I would like you to, to join me and read along with me in your own language, in your own version, and every one of us will be reading. But if you don't have a Bible, it's okay. You don't need to sit next to a Christian. Uh, we do have uh, the scripture up there. And then uh, you, you can join me and read from my version. So uh, I will just count us to three, and I will, un- I will like all of us to read. Because it's cold, I will not say, let's stand, because I can see it's a struggle for some of you to stand, but it's okay. You, you are allowed to sit, but if you want to, to stand as you read, it's okay also, you are even allowed. So I can see people are, are, are very cozy this morning, so we don't want to spoil it. Sit down, Baba, and embrace your wife. He's <laughs> uh, running away. I can see your wife is, 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 is making a signal. Please, Baba, embrace. <laughs> Shall we read? Therefore, since we have been justified, there is acquitted of sin declared blameless before God by faith. Let us grasp the fact that we have peace with God and the joy of reconciliation with Him. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through Him we have also access by faith into the remarkable state of grace in which we firmly and safely and securely stand. Let us rejoice in our hope and the confident assurance of expecting and enjoying the glory of our great God, the manifestation of his excellence and power. And not only this, but with joy, let us exult in our sufferings and rejoice in our hardships, knowing that our hardships uh, produces patience, endurance, patient endurance, and endurance proven character. And a proven character, hope, and confident assurance of eternal salvation. Such hope in God's promise never disappoints us. Because God's love has been abundantly poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Father, we pray that your word will work in our lives. That, Father, you will speak life and bring life into our word into our world through your word, Father. And we pray, Lord God, that as you take us through the journey, that, Father, we will encounter you through your word. And, Father, that our lives will be impacted by your word, Lord God. May you speak from your throne and we receive in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we see here, there is quite a number of um, things that we see from the scripture. The first one, uh, which grabbed my heart is that there could, be, there could be no joy without justification because joy removes guilt uh, justification rather removes guilt which makes us to live out of uh, anxiety but again we hear that Paul is, is putting it very well he says uh, since we have been justified since we have been acquitted of sin since we have been declared blameless before God, by faith. 
then we must grasp to that fact because it brings peace. So we see, we see the recipes of joy. We see, the first thing that we see here is that our encounter with the God who justifies gives us peace which then establishes us in knowing that we are reconciled with God. So in other words, there is no longer a cloud that is hanging over us that will take us into, into eternal condemnation. Because now, through faith, we have, we, have, we, have, we have found a road or a path where we have a relationship with God. And then it says, uh, and, uh, and, and the joy of reconciliation with him through Jesus Christ. So we, we grasp the justification by faith, but also the, the word joy comes again now as a foundation where we stand in reconciliation with Christ. Uh, I know that sometimes we abuse the word reconciliation. There will never be a reconciliation between the people who have never been together before. <laughs> so, so which means we were once aligned with God. We were once declared one with God. But through sin, we were separated with God. So when we talk about being justified by faith and being reconciled, and our joy being the joy of reconciliation, which means we are now put back in the same platform with God. So if you look into the, into the book of Genesis in the Garden of Eden, where man was one with God, where human beings were one with God, everything, there was, there was joy, there was peace, there was satisfaction, and there was the presence of God in the garden because there was oneness. God would speak to Adam as he spoke to a friend because there was that oneness. So when sin came in, there was, there, there was, a, there was a broken relationship. There was division, there, there was anger, there was bitterness, and there was separation. But what we find through Christ is that the first thing that God does is that he restores the relationship and he calls it reconciliation. So I, I, I think uh, the highlight of that is that even, even as we deal with issues as, as, as people, as a nation, let's not abuse the word reconciliation. Let, let's, let's understand that reconciliation only happens where there was once a relationship. I, I can't be reconciled with what I have never been related to. And, 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 and when we pursue reconciliation, we pursue it because we were once in the same slate. We were once in the same page. And God is saying, we are, we rejoice. We find joy in knowing that the peace of oneness with God is something that is being restored back to its original platform. Amen. But also, he then continues to say, uh, but we don't just stand in that, but moreover, we rejoice in our hope. So in other words, hope, as we've been taught what it is, is not just something that is just a, is just a trigger of faith. But also it is, it is what sustains our confidence in God. Because even though I may not see things coming to light, or even though I may not see things working the way I want them to work, but if I have hope that my God is faithful, that my God is the one who will remain at the end of things, I then rejoice in the knowledge. So I don't rejoice in the feeling. The feeling may not be there. The circumstances may not even give evidence or even call for a need for me to be excited. But I 
I, I smile and look forward to the future or to the next thing because I trust the one who crafts all things into my favor. And then Paul continues to explain such a number of things that we'll, we'll just be covering as we move around, uh, along the scripture. That, uh, that confidence that comes through hope, uh, we, we, we experience it more as we go through stuff. So we don't experience it as we run away from stuff. <laughs> Some of us, we think it is good to run away from stuff. But God is actually assuring us that as we encounter different things and different seasons, that's where our joy will be established. That's where our joy will, be, will, will, will come as a product or as a, as, a, as a fruit. Because if you read the book of Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, when it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, it says it is love, joy, peace, and then it continues to count the other ingredients. But we discover that joy is at the center. It's important. It's one of the evidence of God's presence in our lives. So as a Christian, we produce joy. We don't receive joy as a gift, but joy is something that comes from within us as an evidence of the working of the Spirit in our lives. Amen. And as the Gordons put a very interesting quote, Uti, joy is a distinct, is a, is a distinctly a Christian word and a Christian thing. So, I know Uti, they, 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 they can be a debate around this. Uti, it is the reverse of happiness. Uti, happiness is the result of what happens of an agreeable sort. But joy has its springs deep down inside. And that spring never runs dry, no matter what happens. Only Jesus gives that joy. He had joy singing its music within, even under the shadow of the cross. So, so this guy is actually saying, uh, what, 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 what we, we call joy, we should not define it according to the secular definition, but we should define it according to who Christ is. So if you look into the scriptures that we've just read, the first thing that we discover is that our heart posture or our heart condition is the evidence of God's presence in our lives. How we know whether God is working in our lives, how our heart is responding to issues and how we respond to those, how, how we view them and how we analyze them is evidence of what God is doing in our lives. But also, uh, our justification brings uh, assurance and it brings evidence and proof and confidence of knowing that uh, we produce after our master. We produce even if it's not uh, nice and it's not uh, feasible to do so. And God's love actually sustains our joy. We are sustained by God's love. And, and if, if, if you read that, the, 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 that part which talks about faith or, or, or sufferings rather that, that, that produce endurance, which produce a proven character. So, in other words, it's God who is walking with us. So, when, when, when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, he says, he leads me through the path. So, he leads me through this path, which is called the path of righteousness, but in this path, there are things that are testing our stand. There are things that are trying to, to, to purify who we are in God. And they deal with issues. They, there are different levels of confrontation that happen within us that has, at the end, has to help us to produce that quality of 
of, of assurance and knowing that we have God and we are joyous in him because he's our father. And Romans 15:13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we see here the biggest role player here is the Holy Spirit. That the one who gives us this joy is the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and it doesn't say the good things that will happen around you will make sure that your joy abounds. But what it says is that may the God of hope, it's the God of hope who fills us with joy and peace. So we see also the twin of joy is peace. And if you, if you, if you discover what is peace in the scriptures, it's called the shalom, which means it, it, it is the perfect condition. It's the perfect state of life where there is nothing broken, there is nothing missing. So God gives us peace. God gives us a condition of nothing broken and nothing missing in the midst of problems and issues. So as you go through issues that are actually shaking your world, God is saying, I have given you a portion of something that will make you, even when there is something that is, is stolen from you, but you will feel nothing missing, no, nothing broken. Even though there may be ill health in your life, even though you may be losing your loved ones, even though there may be a, a number of things that are not going well in your life, but this hope will give you that understanding that there is nothing missing, there is nothing broken. Whatever that is cracking, God will restore it. Whatever that the enemy has stolen, God will restore it. Whatever that I feel in my life is itching, God will, will deal with it because he is the God who wants to see us through at the end of it all. Amen. So it is made possible by the power of the Holy Spirit. But also, it is our trust in God that makes it overflow. <laughs> so we overflow in hope. So in other words, when we say we are joyful, we are, we are not loud, but we are people who are overflowing in knowing that God will come through. We are people who overflow in knowing that God will sort this mess. Amen. But also, it speaks about us being able to understand God's character. So, what is God's character? There are many other elements or other definitions where we can define God's character. God is faithful. God is, God is true to his word. God does not leave us. God is the one who sees us through. God is the one who makes sure that we are, we are safe and we are secured in his word. So, in other words, when we talk about understanding his character, when we understand that even through suffering, God is there. Even when, when things are going well, God is there. Even when things are not going well, God is there. Even if there is food on your table, God is there. Even if there is no food on your table, God is there. Uh, in the words of Ron Kenoli, uh, in the song that he sang in the 90s, I know for some they were still young. Uh, for some it was still PC. <laughs> uh, but it, it says, uh, it says I've, I've been shaken. My faith has been tried. He says the devil has attempted to destroy my life. He says he stole, he abused, he robbed. But after all these things, I still have joy. So this guy was singing a song which was a hit. But the words of the song were, were, were saying, after all the issues of life, after success, after failure, after betrayal, after bitterness, after all things, I still have joy. Not because I am a strong one, because I know the one that leads me. I know the one that guides me. So sometimes people wonder, why are you not bitter when they hear your story? They wonder, why are you not bitter 
when, 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 when they hear about your upbringing, they wonder why you're not bitter. When they see the things that you encounter in life, they wonder why you're not bitter. Our understanding of God's character empowers us to be not bitter. Amen. We are able to move and know that our worth is in God. Our worth is not defined by circumstances. Our worth is not defined by what is in our bank account. Our worth is not defined by, by the relationships that are, are under strain. But our worth is defined by the God of faithfulness, by the God of truth who works in us in, in every season and through all seasons that we encounter in our lives. Amen. So, so through that we know then that we can move and walk filled with joy because it is something that is a product of the inward working so if you don't allow god to work in your life you cannot encounter joy you may rely on happiness but happiness is seasonal but if you want to walk in joy allow god to work in your life allow god to open your heart and expose certain things in your life allow god to put you at the awkward moment Allow God to put you at the most vulnerable space where he will deal with the issues of your life for joy to come and emerge. We, we, we sometimes wonder why we are so frustrated by life. It's because sometimes we allow happiness to substitute joy. We allow the happenings of life to dictate how we react. But we see here God is saying, whatever life brings, whatever emotion knock in our door, we have a choice. To either listen to that emotion and let it drive our agenda or we listen to God and let him drive our agenda in the midst of that emotion. It doesn't promise us that the emotion will go. (laughs) He doesn't promise us that we will not feel bad. He doesn't promise us that we will not feel frustrated. He doesn't promise us that we will not feel fear. He doesn't promise us that we will not feel sad. But what he's promising us is that his joy (laughs) is the portion of our lives. His joy is what will see us through as we journey and deal with issues in life. U. George Whitefield says, I was delivered from the burden that had so heavily suppressed me. He says, it's the spirit of mourning that was taken from me. And I knew what it was to truly rejoice in my Savior, in God my Savior. Sometimes we, we, we dwell in, in Kumbaya environment. Even as, a, even, a, even as kingdom people, how we deal with issues, even as, as human beings, as a nation, we, we enjoy a kumbaya moment. We enjoy, we enjoy moments of, of crying and, 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 and hailing, and we forget that in the midst of that, we need to define where we stand. Yes, there is pain, but where do I stand? Yes, there is suffering, but where do I stand? Yes, there is awkwardness, but where do I stand? My stand is not defined by the moments and the seasons I encounter. And Jesus puts it very well in John chapter 15. He says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, whatever you wish, it will be done for you. And then he says, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So the first component of the scripture is that... uh, when we abide in Christ, we are able to produce fruit. But let's see which are these fruit that we, we, we have to produce. It says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. So the first thing that we see as an element that produces joy is that we need to abide in God's love. We can't have joy if God's love is not what we ponder on and meditate on. 
He says, just as I have kept my father's commandments, abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be, with, may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So, our staying or our abiding and our focusing in the word of God and in the truths of God makes our joy to be sustained and full. So, in other words, our, our, our joy tank is not filled with how much things we are buying, with how much property we are acquiring, eh? with how much land is coming back. <laughs> Amen. We had a privilege last week to talk about land. We had Pastor Garrett and Pastor Simon and other leaders nationally we were talking about land and restitution as the body of Christ and what it means and what do we need to do as a church. Even if that happens, it still shouldn't be the source of our joy. We want land, but that's not the source of our joy. Land or no land, we are joyous. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Let me behave. And then, so through this we understand then that we move forward and we build knowing that God is our, is our, is our source. So what steals our joy then? What is it that God is defeating that steals our joy? If, if, if you read Romans chapter 1, we, we hear Paul declaring victory of our, over one of the joy stealers. He says, now therefore there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So the first thing that the devil wanted to make sure that he keeps throwing in our lives is condemnation. I'm not sure, maybe I'm the only one who has encountered this thing of condemnation after condemnation after condemnation after condemnation. The devil wants to make sure that you you live a condemned life. Even though you are a Christian, but he wants you to be a a mono-Christian or a a mini-Christian or a a (laughs) sub-Christian. I'm not sure if there is something like that, but but a a Christian who can flow in in Christianity because there is a cloud of condemnation, there is a cloud of shame, there is a cloud of guilt. And whenever you are encountered by that cloud, we, we, we discover here that God actually says, if you are in Christ, you must learn to let go of that condemnation. How do we let go of condemnation? The Bible says if we, if we confess our sins, He is faithful. If, it says if we, if we confess and leave our sins, He is faithful to forgive and to give us another life and to give us a new start. So, the biggest joy stealer is condemnation. Have you ever been in a space where you, you have acted wrongly? And you try to rectify your acts and you discover that even no matter how much you try, you feel the cloud of condemnation is, is bigger than your efforts. Huh? You say stuff and when you, when you sit and you discover what you've just said and you think, Ish, yeah, how do I, how do I rectify? How do I, how do I reverse? And, and, and we find confidence here that if we come to Christ, and speak about our frustrations and speak about the things that are, that, are, that, are, that are producing a feeling or an act of condemnation. He says, he, we, when we walk in the Spirit, we don't walk under condemnation. So, when we encounter these things, He comes and He empowers us. But also, the second thing that, that tries to steal our joy is the accusations of the enemy. I'm not sure if you have ever had the devil accusing you. 
where, where he, 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 he tries to judge your standard according to his standards, not according to God's standards. I'm not sure if you, I'm the only one who has ever felt like being an unperfect, imperfect Christian. Where you, sometimes you wonder, should, should, is it worth it? Is it really, really worth it? <laughs> Would I ever master it? Uh, maybe I must just relax. Have you ever seen people who are not believers, people who are not in the kingdom? It seems like their things are just smooth and fine. They, they, they go and do something wrong and they come back feeling, yeah, sharp, sharp. <laughs> to them it's normal. But, but, but with you, 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 you do a small thing, you feel like the, the whole of hell is shouting and saying, Ewa, yeah, we caught you. We caught you. Eh? You go back to your family and they just discover, uh, what happened? Ish, um, I can't tell you because, and, and, and this is what we see here. We see that the devil is the accuser. How does he accuse us? He goes to God, the example of Job. He went to God and said, you see your problem, God. Which Job is, 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 is this good guy you say he is because we've been protecting him. So in other words, the devil is actually pleading with God and saying, God, hey, the problem this one is serving you this well, it's because everything is fine. Can you just allow me, allow me an opportunity? <laughs> an opportunity, God, please. Because I just want to bring proof that this one is not as good as you think. It's because you have just put your, your covering and your hand upon him. And, and what do you think God's response is whenever the accuser comes? God, 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 God is, a, is, a, is an amazing God. He just says, look, I bet you, I know that one. That one is mine. Go for it. Eh? You want to throw some sickness in his life? Go for it. That one is mine. You want to steal some finance from him? Go for it. That one is mine. Eh? You want to bring some confusion? Go for it. That one is mine. Some of the things that we encounter, it's because God understands us and God has said, look, I know that the accusations that are against you, you'll overcome them. Sometimes we cry and say, but why me, God? No, it's because God trusts you. He, Paul says, we have not been tempted by temptation that is bigger than our how we can handle. He says, whatever that we deal with, it's what God has found to be within our capacity to deal with. And it doesn't make sense. You try everything. Eh? You apply for that promotion and you are sure, I'm getting this one, this one is mine. You go on that interview, you crack it. You kick it. You break a leg. And you discover it's only your leg that is broken. <laughs> eh? that, those are the accusations of the enemy. He will start selling, whispering stuff, you are not good enough. You'll never amount to nothing. You'll never do it. What were you thinking of? Why were you even trying? Huh? Huh? God, 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 God is boasting about your singlehood. And sometimes you feel lonely and you feel like there's something not right with you because everybody is getting married left, right and center. No, God is boasting about your singlehood. Rejoice in it. Amen. I, I think I made a wrong, a, a wrong, a wrong example. <laughs> I apologize. 
I don't know which side to look into. I'm looking like, okay. I apologize. Let's move on. Don't allow accusation. Don't allow it. A wrong choice-ish. But, but, but in, in Revelation chapter 12 verse 10, we hear that the accuser, I heard a loud voice saying, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. One thing that makes us joyous is that one day the accuser will be cast down. One day the accuser will be thrown in the pit of hell. One day the accuser will receive the reward for accusing us. Amen. So I can, I can bear the accusation. I can deal with the frustration. I can deal with the issues because I know one day. So my joy is established in knowing that the joy stealer will be dealt with. Amen. Let's rush. But then we discover that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Nehemiah chapter 8. But before I get there, Utupili Sunday, if you have no joy, there is a leak in your Christianity somewhere. You can't be a Christian and walk around bitter, morose, miserable. Uh, you are, you are, I'm not sure, have you ever met a, a Christian whenever they open their mouth? It's always bad news. It's bad news. It's bad news. Hey, 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 this one, disaster. Every, eh, every time, if, if they text you, you are even wondering, because you know when you open that text it's bad news something is leaking in your Christianity you can't be a miserable Christian you can't be a miserable Christian work on it Uh, Nehemiah chapter 8 it says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. I'm, because of time, I'm not going to read the whole text, but there are a few things here. What we see here is that they, there was a presentation of the word of God. There was a reading of the law amongst the people. And the Bible says, when they, when they heard the reading of the law, they cried out. And they were crying because there was conviction that came from the word. And as they were crying, we see that, we see the Levites and the priests coming to the people and saying to them, quieten down. It's okay if you want to cry, but this time around, it's not a time of crying, but it's a time of, of embracing the joy of the Lord. Because if you embrace the joy of the Lord, it will become your strength. So if you embrace God's confidence on you, if you embrace God's approval of you, if you embrace, because God says uh, through Jesus, remember when Jesus was baptized, we, we hear the voice coming from heaven says, behold, this is my son who I am well pleased with, who I am joyous of. So in other words, our approval by God is our strength. When God rejoices over us, 
Eh? When God rejoices over your prayers, it becomes your strength. When God rejoices over your efforts, when God says, I know that you've been trying, I know the hardships you went through, when God is saying, well done, good and faithful servant, that is our strength. So the joy of the Lord is our strength. But how do we acquire it? That joy of the Lord is not based on circumstances. That is why Paul says to the Philippians, brothers rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is not trouble to me. And it is safe to rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. So rejoicing, we are actually retaining the joy that God has over us. So we, when we say we trust you, Lord, because he trusts us first. When we say we are, we are pleased with you because he is pleased with us. So we, there is an exchange. There is a, there, is a, there is a joyous exchange. He is saying, I affirm you. We say we affirm you back. Thank you for affirming us. We will do it. He says, I know you will pull through. He said, thank you for making me pull through. I will do it. But also, if we see what we see also in that book of uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, we see that repentance. So we see that the joy of the Lord comes out from the true repentance. They repented because there was a conviction from the scriptures. And then as they cried out in response to what God was saying, they were filled with joy. And, 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 and David puts it very well. He says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the song, to the, to the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me. So when we repent from our sin, when we repent from our guilt, when we repent from our wrongs, we are able to stand and walk with God because true repentance makes us live with joy because there is no guilt, there is no shame. We know that he's on our side. But also it comes from the understanding of the word. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 4 will, will also help us in that. But also, it, the joy of the Lord is the Lord, is joy in God himself, is when we celebrate God without expecting anything, without wanting anything, but just for him being God. Psalms 1611 says, you lead me in the path of life. I experience absolute joy in your presence. You always give me sheer delight. He's our delight. He is our joy. And then Deuteronomy chapter 16 verse 15 says, For seven days you shall keep the, test, the steadfast, you shall keep the feast to the Lord your God at the place that God will choose. Because the Lord your God will bless you in all you produ- your produce and in all the work of your hands so that you will be altogether joyful. So what we see here is that when, when we stick in the word and we start doing as per the word, God moves beyond just our heart condition. He starts now dealing with our, our, our affairs. <laughs> he deals with our domestic issues. He deals with our issues of finance, issues of, of health, issues of relationships, issues of, 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 of vision, issues of destiny. He, he now speaks into that. And he addresses those issues because it is in his desire and plan that we keep on producing a, joy and we produce a joyful, a joy, a joyous ending in our lives. And I want to close by a quote by Sam Storms. It says, joy is not necessarily the absence of suffering, but it is the presence of God. So in all that I've just said this morning, if you can take one thing is that we are joyful because God is on our, is in our midst. And joy makes us 
to be able to confront issues of life. We don't walk around feeling ashamed. We walk around knowing that God is a faithful God. And whatever that he wants us to address, we address because we are joyful in him. So, in other words, we produce something that makes us sustainable. We produce something that makes life livable. Not because we deserve it, but because he is the one who has made it possible for us to do it. Shall we just rise as we pray? We are justified by him. And we are, we, we are assured in knowing that he is our truth, he is our life, and he is our God. And we are reconciled with him because of his faithfulness. And we, are, we rejoice in that. And I want us to look into the face of issues of our lives and speak life over them. And start allowing God's word to permeate through them and deal with them and break things that need to be broken. Because our joy is not circumstantial. Our joy is not driven by issues and events, but it's driven by his complete presence. In your presence, there is perfect delight. Amen. I just want us to to thank God for his word, but also just to allow ourselves to reflect into our lives and look into other joy stealers. Maybe I highlighted a few joy stealers. Maybe there are different joy stealers in in your life. Maybe there are things right now that are stealing your joy. But what we learn here is that our greatest joy does not come from these things. Who is your father? Who is your healer? Who is your master? Who is the source of life? And that should give us that joy. Shall we just take a few minutes just to, 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 to reflect on that as A.V. is just playing soft music. Uh, just reflect on that and then, and then just pray in response to what God is doing in our lives. And just allow him to work us out and, and deal with us. Thank you, Lord.